you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, February 25th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we got a little Orioles news and notes episode to finish out your week. We're going to hit three different topics in our three segments today. We're going to start with an Orioles minor leaguer in Jordan Cannon retiring from baseball, talk about what that means for him and for the Orioles system. Then we'll talk about a reported minor league signing by the Orioles, not confirmed yet, but a pitcher in Wes Robertson who actually played his college ball in the area. Looks like he'll be signing potentially with the Orioles. And then we'll talk a bit about the CBA negotiations with the union and the owners meeting every day so far this week as I record this here on Thursday night. And hey, you know what? They are meeting, which is good, but the progress doesn't seem to be going well. The owners are still basically saying things that make it seem like we're not going to get a season starting on time. But we'll talk about what has been proposed by each side, especially by the players on Thursday, something that could impact the way the Orioles are operating right now. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast. But before we get there, just did want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day. Locked on Orioles is free and available on all podcast listening platforms. And remember, it's the only O's podcast out there bringing you three episodes a week during this lockout. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you wake up brand new episode of Locked on Orioles to listen to. If you like what you're hearing, like, follow, subscribe to the pod, tell your family, tell your friends, tell everyone at work, tell any Orioles fans you know to come subscribe and listen to the podcast. And again, if you do listen on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts, if you could give us a five-star rating and a review on those apps, that really, really helps out the pod a whole lot. We really thank you for those that have already done that, especially on Apple Podcasts as well. But again, just wanted to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And for your first listen today, little Orioles news and notes episode. Now, I mentioned it on Wednesday's episode that we were expecting to have Zach Peak, Orioles minor league pitcher who is rising up this system on the podcast today. We had a little bit of a scheduling issue and Zach Peak is still going to appear on this podcast on one episode in the next couple of weeks, but had to switch things up. But even in the lockout, still got some news and notes to hit here on a Friday episode to get you into the weekend. So we start with Jordan Cannon. It is was reported this week, uh, actually back on Monday, by the guys over at BSL On The Verge, their minor league podcast, that Jordan Cannon has retired from professional baseball, a catcher in the Orioles system. Now, if you don't know Cannon well, he is a catcher for the O's who was drafted in the 10th round back in 2019 out of Sam Houston State. He was the, one of the first draft picks by Mike Elias and crew in that 2019 draft and is a 25-year-old catcher and native of Centerville, Texas. Now, you may know Sam Houston State because, yes, Jordan Cannon played at the same school as Colton Kowser, and the two guys actually overlapped for a year when Cannon was still on the team and Kowser was a freshman in that 2019 season. Now, we actually had an episode about Jordan Cannon Early last year, we had Sam Houston State broadcaster Jason Barfield on the podcast to talk about Cannon after he had a really hot start to the 2021 minor league season with the Orioles while he was in Delmarva. 
And we talked about Cannon's, you know, hitting ability, catching ability behind the dish, and kind of off-the-field activities as well with Barfield. And something we learned, he's big into leather making and even has his own leather making business. So I wonder if that's what Cannon will get into now into retirement. But he has retired from the Orioles. What the O's got from Cannon over his two seasons was a solid defensive catcher who could help them in the system. 2019, after being drafted, he went to the GCL. He hit 222 in 11 games and with one home run, and then was promoted to short season Aberdeen, played 13 games with the Ironbirds at the end of 2019, hit just 205, four doubles, no home runs in 39 at bats. But he stuck with the system, and in 2021, he started the year with the Delmarva Shorebirds as, you would kind of say, probably the number two catcher on the team, although he did play significant time because his bat was hot early in the season for the Shorebirds. But by the end of the year, you know, he only appeared in 31 games, and he did have a fairly significant injury that kept him out for most of the 2021 season. After a game on July 2nd, in which Cannon went 0 for 3 in Lynchburg, he was placed on the injured list. Now, it was just the seven-day IL at that point, but he did not play again in the 2021 season. So you have to wonder if the injury potentially, you know, obviously you would think had something to do with this Jordan Cannon retirement. But when he was on the field with Delmarva in 2021, that is where he stuck for the entire year. He played 31 games, got 112 at-bats with the Shorebirds, 129 plate appearances, hit 223 with a 326 on base, 393 slugging. That is a 719 OPS for Cannon. Of his 25 hits, two doubles, a triple, and five home runs on the year. Actually stole five bases in six attempts. Uh, always had kind of some Sneaky speed for a catcher, even going back to his college days at Sam Houston State, but was just a solid glove behind the plate, could get you some big hits at times. And, you know, if he would have come back healthy and stayed in the system, we would have probably seen him start the year at Aberdeen, probably as the number two catcher for the high A Ironbirds in 2022. And he would have tried uh, to get himself to double A this season. Uh, but Cannon deciding to retire. Uh, obviously, we wish him all the best in his future endeavors, thanking him uh, for his two seasons with the Orioles getting to play professional baseball and uh, hope whatever is next for Jordan Cannon works out for him as well. But that was piece number one of Orioles news on the day, the Jordan Cannon retirement, subtracting a player from the minor league system. But the O's have reportedly potentially added a player to the minor league system as there is talks of a minor league signing they may have made earlier this week. We'll talk about that coming up after this. So we'll get back to our Orioles news and notes in just a second. But first, let's talk about Built Bar because we are getting to the end of February here. And I know for a lot of people, the New Year's resolutions you made back on January 1st, they're starting to wane a bit. But for me, it's been a little easier this year to stick with it, you know, trying to eat a little better. And that is all thanks to Built Bar, because Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, but it's not just the bars. Maybe you've had the bars, but if you haven't tried the puffs, you are truly missing out. They are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow, fluffy, marshmallowy, and covered in 100% real chocolate. And the puffs, they're truly a fan favorite. They got flavors like coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, 
and more. And they go right along with the OG built bars that have, remember, just 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and all these delicious flavors, including new this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. So to get your hands on the bars, the puffs, or whatever it may be, go to built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. And today's episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast is also brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now seemingly impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure the pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter tries to order the parts, ask you about what exactly is wrong with your car? Sometimes you just don't know. Well, you have computers, and you have access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto, and they make it easy for every customer. They have everything you could need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And again, for someone like me, I'll admit it, I know nothing about cars, but rockauto.com makes it easy. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And write Locked On Orioles in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com So our second piece of Orioles news and notes here on this Friday episode has to do with Wes Robertson, who is a 25-year-old right-handed pitcher who was previously in the Cincinnati Red system and put a post on Instagram, at least according to the guys over at On The Verge, that kind of pointed to the fact that he had signed with the Orioles after being released by the Reds earlier this offseason. But that post seems to have been taken down. And so there's kind of still a question about whether or not he did sign with the O's. But you'd have to think if he's putting that up there, it probably happened. The Orioles probably just didn't want him to announce it yet and maybe had him take it down. Obviously nothing official here yet, but wanted to at least take a look at Wes Robertson if he is indeed going to be joining the Orioles organization. Again, a 25-year-old right-handed pitcher, about six foot two, a native of Cheshire, Connecticut, who actually played his college ball in the state at Division Three Washington College is where he played his ball up in Chestertown, Maryland, a team that I get to see a lot uh, as the broadcaster for Johns Hopkins baseball. Washington College is in Johns Hopkins Conference in Division Three, the Centennial Conference, and they play the Shoreman every year. I never got to see Wes pitch because he uh, was gone by the time I started at Hopkins, uh, but kind of a, a cool Maryland connection there from the Division Three ranks. Now, his college career ended in 2017, and he was not drafted in the 2017 draft, but he did end up signing a deal as an undrafted free agent. He signed with the Texas Rangers right after the draft and was immediately sent to rookie ball in 2017, where he pitched eight innings, allowed four runs on 10 hits, and struck out nine and walked seven. So not a great debut, but he went to 2018, stayed with the Rangers organization, and was very, very good in limited time in 2018. He started the year at rookie ball, but spent most of the year at short season. And frankly, he was dominant. In 16 appearances out of the bullpen in 2018 at short season ball, he had a 1.37 ERA. In 19 and two-thirds innings, he allowed just three runs on 18 hits, struck out 19, and walked just nine, and looked all of a sudden to be at least a guy that the Rangers were 
looking to hold on to, at least at that point in their system in 2018. So he returned to the Rangers organization in 2019, and the success was not the same for Robertson in 2019. He started in low A, and the success was there in low A. Six appearances, a 1.38 ERA in 13 innings. So they bumped him up to high A at age 23. That did not go as well. 14 innings out of the bullpen had a 7.07 ERA, seven walks, four homers to just six strikeouts. And that was it for Robertson. He was released by the Rangers, but he got a second chance, was signed by the Cincinnati Reds, and pitched in their minor league system in 2021 at three different levels. Now, it was kind of a roller coaster 2021 season for Robertson, but he did pitch at the three different levels in 2021. He pitched a, a little bit at rookie ball, he pitched at low A, and he also pitched at double A to some wildly different results. Now, all in all, across the three levels, he threw 22 and two thirds innings out of the bullpen and did get four saves but he had an 11.51 ERA in 2021. In those 22 and two-thirds innings, he allowed 30 hits, 29 earned runs, struck out 19, walked 19, and allowed six home runs in that time. Now, most of that damage was done at double A, but low A wasn't much better. Low A was 13 and two-thirds innings. He had a 9.22 ERA, but double A was kind of a disaster for Robertson. He pitched five times out of the bullpen for the Chattanooga Lookouts in double A for the Reds. In those five appearances, he lasted just two and two-thirds innings. He allowed 12 runs on seven hits. He struck out only two batters while walking seven and allowing three home runs, hitting two batters as well. That was good for a 40.50 ERA in his five double A relief appearances. So not a lot going well, at least for him there. Now, he will turn 26 in a couple of weeks for the right-hander, but obviously the Orioles see something there where they can at least want to potentially here, nothing official, but take a look at what Robertson has if they add him to the system. Now, the issue is he's gotten just barely a cup of coffee at AA and gotten crushed, and he's already going to be 26 years old once the season starts. So he's going to be a little bit behind, but you know if the O's are actually going after him, he's got something in the tank that they like. Now, Robertson, also the fact that he was picked up by Cincinnati, probably a good sign as well. He was actually taken by the Reds in the minor league phase of the Rule 5 draft back in 2020, plucked out of the Rangers system that way. And so that is how they ended up with him. And we know what the Reds tried to do with their pitching in the minors over the last couple of years. You know, they called it Spincinnati. They hired a lot of driveline type guys to be pitching coaches and pitching coordinators in the system. And we're just looking for big time, high spin rate guys. And you have to think Robertson falls into that category. Here's the other thing that could potentially give us a little bit more hope, despite an ERA of only of almost 12, I should say, last season, is that Robertson is still kind of learning pitching. He's a converted catcher who, yes, has been a pitcher his entire professional career, but when he was at Washington College, he was mainly a hitter. He was a catcher for the Shoremen. I mean, his last year, he hit 333, hit 324 uh, in his second last year in 2016 at Washington College, and he did pitch a little bit as well. He was a two-way player for the Shoremen, but he was 
I think known more so as a catcher and a hitter. And then when he got to professional baseball was kind of signed as a pitcher by the Rangers and gone that route. So even though he's been a full-time pitcher since, you know, the end of 2017, when Texas signed him, you know, that's still just four plus years of a baseball career for a guy who's almost 26. He's still probably learning a lot of things about being on the mound. So if there are some spin rate numbers or maybe one pitch that the Orioles like and they can hone in on that, plus, you know, really molding him as a pitcher, something that still could work out for Robertson as, of course, the Reds did release him back in November. And uh, we will see if this becomes official, but it looks like the Orioles may have signed the right-hander to a minor league deal. But one more segment to get to here on the podcast. We'll talk a little broader coming up next because more news coming out of the CBA negotiations. We'll talk about what the latest proposal from the Players Union and how that could impact the Orioles, especially with what the O's are doing with their franchise under Michael Elias and crew right now. So that's coming up after this break. So we'll get to talking a little bit about how the CBA negotiations are going and how it could impact the Orioles in just a second. But first, let's talk about bet online because football season might be over, but there's still a lot of sports going on. Basketball full steam ahead for both pro and college hoops. We are getting close to the calendar turning next week, which means March Madness as well. And from all the latest odds, totals, and player performance props, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. And BetOnline also remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. You can really get it all at BetOnline.net. And it's not just for basketball either. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, and right to the Winter Olympics coverage and information as well. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action at BetOnline.net where the game starts. So before we go today and for the weekend, I wanted to talk a bit about the CBA negotiations going on in Florida because the Players Association and the owners have met every day so far this week. However, it doesn't seem that negotiations are going well. The players still continue with their small concessions. The owners are not conceding anything and seem content to let the season be delayed but there was an interesting part of a proposal made by the players on Thursday. And it seemed like on Thursday, more than the other proposals the players have made, it was really centered around tanking and service time manipulation, really more so than what we had heard about. So Jeff Passan and Evan Drellick and others have done a good job of kind of breaking down what was in that proposal from the Players Union on Thursday and wanted to talk about how it could impact the league and impact the Orioles as well, who are obviously you know, still in this part of their rebuild here as we head into 2022. So to address the issue of tanking, the players put forth a pretty extensive proposal that included a draft lottery, which would definitely be an interesting thing. Obviously, the NBA and the NHL have a lottery system, and they proposed a lottery for the top seven picks. Now, you know how the NBA does it. Top 14 picks are a lottery system where each team has a better chance of getting the number one pick depending on their record, but it doesn't always necessarily mean that the worst record gets the number one pick. In fact, it feels like it happens maybe about half the time. Now, they want to do the top seven picks. So what they're asking for is the teams with the worst seven records get put into a lottery, 
and they will be essentially drawn out of a hat. That's not the best way to put it because it's like, you know, it's not like each team just gets one ping pong ball. It's bouncing around. You know, the worse your record, the more ping pong balls you get. But if the Orioles, for example, had this in place last year, they would not be guaranteed the number one pick in 2022. They might have the best chance at the number one pick, but they would not be guaranteed. And honestly, you know, I don't know how much this will really stop the tanking that's going on because A, teams like having that number one pick, but if you don't also, you know, fix the draft pool because of that, maybe it doesn't change. And also, a lot of the so-called tanking that goes on now is not even about the draft picks for some teams, and I'm not saying the Orioles do this, and, you know, Pirates have been a team that's been accused of doing this recently, is that because of the revenue-sharing situation, the teams that are finishing last are almost, the owners are doing it because they don't have to put any money into the team, and then they know because the revenue-sharing, they're going to get an extra $100-plus million, even if they're a terrible team, and they won't have to put that back into their payroll. They can just pocket that money, and they can make money any year despite having you know maybe a 50-win baseball team. And then on the plus side of that, yeah, they can pick first in the draft and try and get some young, cheap, controllable talent instead of going and actually signing major league free agents to try and help their team. So it kind of becomes a win-win for the owners at that point. But there is also some proposals about the revenue sharing. And there are some proposals that include if you finish in the bottom eight in winning percentage for three straight years, you can't pick higher than 10th in the draft. And if you finish in the bottom eighth for four straight years, you pick 18th in the draft, which is really interesting to you know say, hey, you know, maybe a team does need to tear things down for a couple of years. But if it's a long-term rebuild, they're trying to get that out of the game. There is also another proposal that if you finish in the bottom eight for two straight years or the bottom 12 for three consecutive years, you can't pick higher than 10th in the draft. And that continues for some of these other proposals as well, really trying to stop the long-term tanking that is happening around baseball. And so obviously this would impact the Orioles because if you're looking at this team, you know, they have finished in the bottom eight now for four consecutive years. And, you know, if you look at this team, 18, 19, 20, and 21, that four consecutive years would mean they would be picking 18th in the 2022 draft. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Orioles finished with a bottom eight record in 2022, which would also put them at the 18th pick in the 2023 draft. That's a pretty significant difference, I would say, from the number one pick to 18 or even what we would expect them. You know, I would say maybe the Orioles get the, eh, let's say, number seven pick in the 2023 draft. No, no, no. They would end up with pick number 18. That is significantly different and maybe would you know, push an owner to spend some more money in free agency to make a major league product better as they go through this kind of rebuild that the Orioles are in. So definitely would impact the Orioles and teams like the Orioles as well. Now, the other thing that was in this proposal was a change to service time and trying to stop the service time manipulation. Now, this was something that was in the previous proposals that players 
who finish in the top five in rookie of the year, top three for the reliever award or first or second team all MLB would still receive that extra year of service. But they also put more things in there to try and incentivize teams to bring players to the majors. So basically we know how it's done and it's probably what's going to happen to Adley Rutschman this year because of the way the service time works in Major League Baseball. And it's intricate to kind of get into about how many days you're in the big leagues to accrue a full year of service time but basically prospects get held down for two or three weeks at the beginning of a season where they're clearly ready to be on the opening day roster because if you hold them down for those you know about two to three weeks they won't end up accruing enough service time to lose a year so basically what they do is they hold them down for three weeks and on the end of their initial rookie contract the team is awarded an extra year of control of that player and As unfortunate as it is, that's what we expect the Orioles to do with Adley Rutschman this year. So to try and change that and try and get teams to bring up their top prospects when they are ready and not manipulate the service time, the biggest example of this so far has been what the Cubs did to Chris Bryant a few years ago. But here is the new change. Instead of a top seven finish in war triggering the year of service in the AL or the NL for catchers at first baseman, second baseman, third baseman, shortstops, and DH, it's now a top five war finish for a player to trigger the extra year of service time. And so they're trying to go back and forth with some of these negotiations. But at the end of the day, they're trying to get teams to bring up their players sooner. And, you know, I know the owners talked about getting themselves rewarded by, you know, if we call up our players, we can get extra draft picks to get more cheap players. But at the end of the day, the the players union is trying to concede a little bit here and say, you know what, you want your year of extra service time, at least call up the players. And if the players are good and they do well, maybe you do get that extra year. But either way, you know, it continues to be the players who are doing this. And if this were to be put in, you know, to place right now, I think the Orioles would call up Adley Rutschman because they expect him to finish top five in rookie of the year voting or whatever it may be. But there needs to be something done, obviously, here to get teams to make sure they are calling up their top prospects when they're ready. Because we know Adley Rutschman is major league ready on opening day, but he's probably not going to be an Oriole on opening day so they can get that extra year. Quite frankly, Adley Rutschman probably, if it was just gone off talent, Probably should have been with the Orioles on, let's say, August 1st of last year. I mean, I totally agree with him getting a good amount of double-A time and maybe a little bit of triple-A time. But August 1st of 2021, I think Adley Rutschman was clearly ready to be in the big leagues. He still isn't, and he probably won't be on the opening day roster It's obviously something that needs to get fixed. And there's more intricacies to this, and people smarter than me will explain them to you. And going to try and have some of those smarter people on this podcast in the weeks to come. But again, just remember, as these negotiations go on all this week and the owners continue to say, you know, the deadline is early next week, either February 28th or March 1st, Monday or Tuesday. They keep saying if there's not a deal done by then, then there won't be a season on time. Remember, that might be the case because... The owners are the one imposing this lockout. They could lift it at any time, send the players back to spring training, continue to negotiate, and at least let the players get ready. And when you think about it, if the owners lifted the lockout tomorrow, they could send players to spring training still without a deal agreed on, but they could continue to negotiate. And because they lifted the lockout and all the players are at spring training, as soon as they got a deal done, 
they could get a deal done on March 30th. And opening day could be March 31st because they lifted their lockout. They let the players train and prepare. And the deadline would be much, much different. But because the owners won't lift the lockout, that's why they're making, you know, Monday or Tuesday early next week that deadline to get our scheduled March 31st opening day. Remember, this is an owner-imposed lockout. They could lift it anytime they want, but they're not going to because it seems they are uh, pretty set on not having baseball on time and maybe not having baseball at all in 2022. But Hopefully, 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 as I continue to say, they will come to an agreement and we will get some Major League Baseball this year. But either way, we're still going to have podcasts here on Locked On Orioles, and we have a really exciting week coming up on the pod next week. Three episodes next week, which are all really combined into one episode, but split them up for you guys. A fantastic event, a draft coming up next week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. With the guys from BSL On The Verge, the great podcast that covers all things Orioles minor leagues that you need to be listening to, Bob Phelan, Zach Spedden, and Nick Stevens are all going to be on the podcast next week for a three-part Orioles minor league draft. We are going to be each drafting teams of 15 players, eight position players, a DH, five starting pitchers, and a reliever from all players that are in the Orioles minor league system. The only stipulation, they cannot have made their major league debut yet. So we had a fantastic draft of those players put together our teams, and I'll be posting those episodes Monday, Wednesday, Friday next week. It was a really fun exercise. Should be a really, really fun listen with the guys from On the Verge for our Orioles minor league draft. So that's coming up starting on Monday when we return. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.